0: My name is Mohamed. I'm an avid content creator and student. And I'm Will, a student leader and team building expert. Welcome to Uni Unplugged, the weekly podcast for students by students, where we help you get the most out of university.
1: In this episode, we discuss some of our most stressful university experiences, including the dreaded student syndrome and cramming for exams. We talk about the benefits of support groups and accountability partners, as well as the challenges of prioritizing extracurricular activities over uni work. We also dive into the topic of burnout, exploring the symptoms and solutions for this all too common experience. We share our own personal experiences with burnout and discuss the importance of reaching out for help when we're feeling overwhelmed. Thank you very much for listening and we hope you enjoy.
0: Okay, let's just get into it then. Sure. Um, Straight question to start you off. What have been your most stressful moments at university?
1: Well, we have to point out the obvious here, Mo, which is <laughs> exams. Yes. Okay. I think that's a good one to start with because everyone, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone through their university will sit at least one exam. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot of negative connotations around them, around stress and around being, you know, putting a lot of work in in a short period of time and, you know, that can lead to burnout very, very quickly. Um, I know that I experienced that this exam season just gone, um, and I think there's a lot of pressure as well. And I think compared to sort of coursework deadlines, where it might be for thirty percent of a module or twenty percent of a module, you know, you can sort of most most people can sort of be more lenient on themselves. I would say I feel like I sort of am a bit more with that. But when it's an exam, that's worth a hundred percent of your module. You know, there's a lot of pressure there to do mm-hmm. really well. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Exams being the, the number one.
0: Yeah, and. See, coming into university, that was essentially my only idea of what mental stress could mean. Um, Because even in sort of films and stuff, which was really my only experience of uni before I actually went, that was what people focused on. And so that's the idea I went in with. But I realized as time went on that there were a lot more stresses that you could go under. Um, It raised this idea in my head of... Um, something that a lecturer mentioned to us in one of our recent lectures about the idea of student syndrome, yes, where yeah. you leave everything to the last minute or most likely as a student, you end up doing that. And so for a lot of students, it leads to cramming, Yeah. which when you mention uni exams is a really common theme. And personally, I believe that's what leads to the most stress. Um, some students are better than others at handling that, at working consistently, but again, it is an extremely hard thing to do from personal experience, I would say. Yeah.
1: What's your, what's your advice then? So student syndrome is essentially right, correct me if I'm wrong, but like if you have four days to do something, you'll leave it till the day before. Yeah. Rather than starting it on the day that you get it. Yeah. Correct? Essentially, yeah. So apart from the obvious, do it on the day that you get it. How, <laughs> how could you make sure that you get something done in time?
0: So going back to that lecture, mm-hmm. the... Advice that the lecturer gave to us was um, around this idea of like buffer time. So, if you intend for people to finish a task, the the theme of the lecture is sort of around managing engineering projects and teams. That's the name of the module. But the idea was, if you set a buffer time for the people you you want to accomplish some sort of task, and you say, for example, if you have a task that you know will take ten days to complete, but you set the amount of time that you're giving them to complete it as six days, they will end up starting on the fifth or sixth day yep. and then realize that they probably haven't put as much work as they need to in. But in that case, you're still fine with it because you have another four days to work on the project. Yeah, um, It's a much harder thing when it's just you doing that, which to another point, I think accountability partners really help with that sort of thing. If you say, you're setting each other deadlines rather than just yourself because it re- is really hard to have that self-discipline to say, okay, I need this done in six
1: days and I actually stick to that. I mean, for me, I would say like having someone to study with yeah. is like a really big thing because it means that you, like like today, so today we have a time to come in, which was 10 o'clock. I was late today, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. that's okay. But like having Mo there means that I feel responsible for being late mm-hmm. and I feel guilty if I am. So over the previous exam seasons, like me and a friend or a couple friends would always say, "Okay, look, we're in the IC at nine, all right, right. and that was our goal." And then if you were late, the, I mean, part of the risk was you would not get a chair, right? So you <laughs> would sit together, um, but it was also meant that you can work together as well, yeah, on like the same modules because they were course mates, right? Um, so therefore, you can you can also help with like teaching each other different parts and sort of helping out where other people get stuck so it really is a useful thing to have like that yeah. extra person as well as mm-hmm. helping with accountability
0: support groups and and friendship groups are absolutely unreal when it comes to studying and something I didn't really uh, when I was coming into uni didn't really appreciate as much as I do now in the sense of Even for, aside from actually getting study help, like technical help with your course, whatever subject you're studying, the idea that you have someone there to vent to about your mental stresses, where you can both go, oh my God, we have this exam tomorrow. I'm so tired. I'm so stressed. I can't do this. And then you both like psych yourself into doing it. It's, It's really supportive. It's really helpful.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think one thing that can lead to exam stress though is not putting in enough work during the term time. Yeah. And I was like really guilty of doing this. (laughs) Like pretty much every time. We talked about this last episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because of student projects and clubs and stuff that are, you know, only accessible during term time, Mm -hmm. I think that means that I myself as well will put a lot more focus on doing those things because they're more fun and interesting. You meet more people rather than sort of doing that tutorial sheet that you really should do that will help out in exam season. Um, and I think it was, it became really apparent last semester that that was what I was doing. And I started to get really stressed about it because Mm. I was like, I'm not keeping on top of any of my tutorial sheets for any module. (laughs) I've just like completely disregarded them and put student projects as like a big priority. Because again, I think we've mentioned this before, like feeling that, you're letting other people down if you don't do tasks for a group. Yeah. But you only let yourself down if you don't do the task for yourself in your own personal development. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it meant that I had to essentially make the call of, okay, I'm going to focus the student societies and, and projects and stuff like that. And then when it comes to exam season, I'll just deal with it because I know that I can deal with it. Right. And I'll just sort of put that work in then. But if I try to do it all in one semester... I would have like fully burnt out and probably had to take like a week out or something to try and like recover or like a couple of days or something like that. But your your experience with sort of a similar thing?
0: Yeah. So uh, it it reminded me again of the stuff we talked about last episode, which is around that balance of um, sort of student projects, side projects, things that aren't academically uni work versus uni work and studying for exams and doing the tutorial sheets. Bringing it around to the idea of burnout and my own experience with it, I... I had my most severe experience of burnout in my second year of uni, which was last year. And the reason for it, which links back, is because I joined so many student projects and I was working so hard on those to try and build up my CV and, you know, sort of get those cool experiences that I could think back and go, yeah, I did that at uni. That was really fun. Mm -hmm. Because although people do go to uni to study, the actual vibe that you want from uni, you see... You sort of see this on uh, TikTok mainly where people distinguish between like university and uni kind of thing. Uh, I see. Where Uni is the vibes, is the friendship experiences, all of that stuff. University is the academic life. Okay.
1: That makes a lot of sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So when I was in second year, um, I ended up writing a blog post, which is, I mean, I started a blog back in lockdown, but at that time, I saw it more as a journal. And for me being burnout at the time, the blog post that I wrote around burnout was literally me just venting online about all of the problems that I was having and what had led up to it. And I think it was a combination of quite a few things. First thing was the student projects, like I mentioned before. The second, just, you know, sort of, um, I had a death in the family. I wasn't really in the right mental space. And it led to a lot of things compounding and me feeling like there was this massive weight on my shoulders to, to work and still achieve the goals that I was meant to be achieving even though I
1: didn't have the capacity for that. Yeah. I think you bring up a, good, a really, really good point there about sort of quality over quantity yeah. of student projects. Because I would say if you're a team member in five projects, that's not necessarily giving you the breadth of skill development that you need compared to maybe like one or two roles, mm. like additional to university, co- like module, um, course, whatever. Um, and having those roles be sort of in essentially a leadership role or that you could step into a leadership role, like when the sort of recruitment comes around again and you can step up um, and making sure that you're available to do that because that's really where sort of the progression and the development comes from. Yeah. Like getting recruited into a student project or joining a society, like that's going to sort of put you at the same level as a lot of people in who, who come out of uni. And if you then go up to like a sub team lead or a team lead or like have a committee position, that's really where you're going to sort of set yourself apart from a lot of people, right? because a lot of people can say, yeah, okay, I was in EWB, Yeah, you know, they'll be, they have like maybe a hundred members plus every year, right? But there's only like 10 on the committee. So if you're able to get into a committee role or a leadership role, I would really, really recommend doing that and dropping an extra thing that you have to be able to like have that capacity.
0: Mm, quality of advice. a quantity. Yeah, um, definitely. And it reminded me of a quote from um, <laughs> Naval Ravikant again. I just Googled it and found out. It says, you should be too busy to do coffee while still keeping an uncluttered calendar. The point you were making about quality and, well, essentially the balance between a few student projects and ideally getting to a higher role, uh, a leadership role, a committee role and that sort of thing versus breadth, you know, going into multiple different student projects, five or six or, or more, depending on how what your workload can manage, but still just sort of being a, a team member, someone who contributes to the project. The reason it reminded me of this quote is that you ideally, or at least according to Naval and my own personal experience, you want to be able to have free time that you can just dedicate as specifically free time. Yeah. And the rest of it can go to your, you know, your, your side projects that you're interested in. But it's really important to have dedicated free time, not even specific downtime essentially, but completely empty time in your calendar. Yeah. Um, and that actually, I think that relates more towards sort of chasing new opportunities because it's university, it's, it's a melting pot of people, of projects, of different sort of events happening, right? And so anything could really happen on a day-to-day basis. It's very true. Going back to burnout though, I was interested in going back through, I'm just reading back through the old blog post that I wrote um, and sort of talking about the specific symptoms for the students that do go through burnout because I think when I wrote these down, as I was sort of researching online on the side and trying to figure out, like, do I have burnout? Is this an actual thing? I don't know if, if it was just me. I didn't realize burnout was a thing that could happen to everyone, regardless of your, your profession or background. I thought the first time I'd heard about it was actually on YouTube from like YouTubers constantly making videos and treating it as like an extreme sport kind of thing. And in that way, burning themselves out. But I didn't know it was applicable to everyone.
1: Yeah. It's applicable to everything, I think, like sports as well, because like, so I feel like it's so easy to like throw yourself into training or like into revision for exams or I feel like it's when you commit yourself too much to something and then the capacity takes over or your capacity is less than what you are required to do each week or each Mm. day. Um, And that's where you sort of start falling behind and try and do more and not have that allocated free time to be able to sort of recover yeah um i think that was yeah a really good point
0: point. and at least in my personal experience it's really hard for me to notice when it's actually happening i will feel tired but i'll just attribute it to oh i'm just having an off day or you know i didn't get enough sleep kind of thing and i don't realize it's happening so often until i get to like that breaking point where i'm just done like i can't go to a meeting because i'm literally you know falling asleep or just can't think my brain's not working um Going to the first, the first sort of symptom I found that I wrote down about this, procrastination. And it's a massive one. And I I think it links back to the reason I thought, you know, it's hard to tell is because student syndrome, that whole idea of procrastination, it's a common thing among everyone when you have work that you should be doing, but you don't really want to do.
1: Yeah. And we're going to touch on this like in way more depth in our next episode as well. Yeah. So hopefully we'll be able to help with sort of setting goals and how to sort of get your things done so you don't experience burnout Mm -hmm. as well. What are the other symptoms? The second one was
0: isolating yourself from others.
1: Okay. So that's where it's good to have that extra person. Yeah. Sort of that support group, that person who can help you be accountable and sort of make sure that you don't do that procrastination Mm -hmm. and keep track of like your tasks a little bit as their own, especially when they overlap. Like if you're in the same student project or the same like project for university sports club anything like that if you're doing the same tasks or like similar tasks it makes it much easier to like keep track of the other persons as well as your own
0: yeah yeah definitely and i also think it's not really personality dependent i was thinking it as you were speaking like is this something that for example if i'm more introverted i would experience that isolation more i would want to do that more or if you're more extroverted would the would you be going through the same sort of symptom at the same extent? And the, the conclusion that I came to was, I think regardless of what sort of personality you have, when you do start to come upon that massive workload and don't think you can manage it, you do start to sort of distance yourself from other people. Yeah,
1: because, and, and it's not necessarily like you, well, you definitely don't choose to do that. But it's just, yeah, your free time gets taken up by, oh, I have to finish this bit off. I have to finish this bit off. And then you end up eating at like 10, 11 o'clock at night, yep. getting seven hours sleep and doing the same thing again in the morning. Mm-hmm. The third one was <laughs> becoming
0: very impatient.
1: Mm. I've experienced that in my relationship, I would say. Right. Around exam season, I'm like not very nice to be around. And like, she'll call me out for it, um, Etty will. And it's it, it that that's the point where I can go, okay, what's going on, Will? Mm. All right. Clearly, you you are being burnt out. You are burnt out at yeah. this point. When when I start to feel irritated by like nothing, but like lit- literally like when it's sort of such a small thing that gets me really irritated that usually it would be completely fine. You know, we just sort of laugh about it or something. Mm. That's when I've sort of learned about myself and gone, okay, yeah, actually that that is what's happened here. I am feeling burnt out, or I'm very close to burning out at that point.
0: Is it a constant level of irritability or is it more of like a, you hit a breaking point and then something bugs you so much that you sort of explode and then realize afterwards?
1: I would never say that, hmm, I'm trying to think back. I don't think I've ever exploded. Yeah. Like not, definitely not in my relationship. Explode is a very strong one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is a little harsh, but um, yeah, I would say that it's got to the point where I've sort of had to like distance myself sort of from the situation and just sort of sit down and go, okay, what's what's going on? Yeah. Or like just go to bed or something. Because mm. um, sometimes it's like a lack of sleep as well. But yeah, it definitely, it doesn't necessarily build to like a peak. And yeah. then after that point, I'm like, oh, wow, what went on? Yeah. Um, it's, it's more like I'll start to notice slowly over time it getting worse and worse. Mm. Um, and then that will point it out and be like, well, you've been, <laughs> you've been really grumpy, <laughs> you know? Um, I definitely yeah. agree. The
0: same thing happens to me. And it, in the same way, it's not really like these sort of breaking point moments. It's much, it's much more just a constant high level of stress, anxiety and irritability sort of combined all in one where I, I stop making the time for things that I would have made the time for before. And I mean, that's it's sort of related to the general other symptoms of burnout, but I do it in a way that isn't as accommodating for other people to handle as well. And I've noticed that when I'm more stressed, instead of just saying like, look, I would love to do this because I, I genuinely would have. I would love to do this, but I just don't have the time. I have to focus on my exams. My response would be a lot more like, look, I can't do this right now. I need to focus.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But um, moving on to the fourth, you can't sleep. So insomnia, basically, which is very counterintuitive.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting because... I I maybe would say that I have the opposite effect. Mm. I, th- I think, I'm just trying to think, because over exams, I was just so tired yeah. that, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, <laughs> I'd be able to get to sleep really quick. Like, usually I do lie in bed for a while. T- it takes a while to, like, go to sleep because I'm thinking about so many things. But yeah. when it's exams, it's like... I'll read revision cards before I go to bed because I heard that that's meant to help. Yeah. Uh, yeah, The last thing thing that you see you'll dream about, like I don't know if I want to dream about Brayton (laughs) cycles or anything like that, but it seems to work. But I think when I have a bit more free time or less responsibility, I'll find myself lying in bed thinking about like those extra side things Mm. that I could be doing. So over summer I had a, I had a placement. I I was down in London and the placement was sort of hybrid. Yeah. And, sort of the nights when the next day would be like a hybrid day sometimes I'd stay up till like really late because I couldn't go to sleep because I was thinking about what I would like design or yeah different designs stuff like that for the student project right so I wouldn't say I was burnt out then because it was more out of sort of creativity and having the free time and an ability to be able to do that, for me anyway. to do that yeah, yeah yeah for me yeah I know that can be very different yeah yeah So would you, would you disagree? Would you say that you do find it harder to sleep? I mean, Mm. if it's in your blog, potentially, I mean, it might've changed since a year ago.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking back. I I think I would agree that I do find it a lot harder to sleep. Not essentially sort of not even just, um, not being able to sleep, but more that when it comes to exams, I prioritize academic work like massively over my physical needs which is a really toxic habit. <laughs> like I will not eat enough. I won't sleep enough. I will just choose to keep going at it for hours. Um, I think eating is uh, a big one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it sort of leads to, there, there are a couple more to cover here before we go through the solutions to all this and how we can actually get past burnout. But it links to the next one, which is that your work or your school performance actually deteriorates when you're going through burnout. Which, I mean, linking it to the the physical needs, it, it's pretty simple. If you're not eating enough or drinking enough or getting enough sleep, naturally, you're going to do worse. Yeah. I actually, I, I um, read something online, I think, or saw something on YouTube uh, that brought up the idea of dehydration and the fact that it can affect you so much. Yeah. And it's really underrated that people don't, don't realize it enough, essentially.
1: Hydration is like a massive thing because when... Like, and I'll I'll now know when I'm dehydrated because, like, I'll start getting, like, a slight headache and then I won't be able to focus. And then I'll go for my bottle and it'll be empty. And I'll be yeah. like, okay, well, need to go fill that up and drink, like, the whole bottle and then fill it up again. And then you get to walk-in. And then, yeah. However, filling up your bottle is not a break. Mm. So. Interesting. Yeah. This is something I read on LinkedIn, probably. um But it was like, filling up your bottle isn't a break. Going for, like, a walk around the library floor isn't a break. You know, because you've got to have, you've got to put aside like a decent enough time, to sort of change your scenery completely. Right, like you want to be able to like leave the building, get some fresh air, get like a bite to eat, not sort of at your desk. Um, and also, same with water. Like, yes, go fill up your water bottle and come back, but that's not a break. You mm. know, you then will continue working, drinking, fill it up again if you want, and then go outside or like just go for a short walk yep. outside. You know, like the benefits of natural sunlight mm. and fresh air. Like, I'm pretty sure that that's, there's some study that's proven that point. <laughs> I'm sure of it. But, but yeah, I'd say that's, yeah, hydration is a massive, massive form.
0: Yeah. It's very common, at least for me, and I think for a, a few other students that I know of, that we will just get into the zone, get into the mindset of studying and forget about everything else. And it's really difficult to keep juggling those plates even though they're all really essential, at least the base ones, like food, sleep, water, that a sort of thing. And to be sustainable in your studies, you do absolutely need those. Yeah. Um. The it, it reminded me again of that feeling that I had straight after exams last semester. And the fact that when you're studying for extensive periods of time, not even in the short term, like days at a time, just to meet exams that are back to back sort of thing. Mm. But like in the way that we went through it, where first semester exams happened in January, we had three or four days of break and then we were straight into semester two. Yeah. I remember a lot of people, a lot of friends of mine mentioning that and saying like, it it is basically burning me out, even though I'm not in exams and we're all just at the start of term and getting introduced to new modules. But it's that feeling of we've been going at
1: it for so long that you just sort of need a break at some point. I think this is, if there's any uni lecturers or teachers listening or anything like that, like, can we, can we please get an extra break, (laughs) an extra week? Like, I'd rather take a week off of Easter and have it after exams. Mm. Because I know for for first years, they, so we have three exam weeks, right? So first years have all their exams in the first week for engineering anyway. Yeah. It'll be sort of similar. It might be sort of spread out a bit more, but second years have like the first two weeks and then third years and fourth years have all three weeks. In exam season. In exam season. Yeah. Yeah. And then- it's straight into week one, as you said. And like that four days does not feel like four days. Mm. It just goes so quick because it's like you suddenly go from having so much knowledge in your brain, or hopefully, right? <laughs> um, to then, I I anyway, like dump it all out. It, it just all disappears yeah. for me because it will go like, between each exam, you are sort of cram for that one, right? Cram for that one, yeah. forget it all. Cram for the next, forget it all. My favourite phrase is wiping the hard drive. Because <laughs> like that's that. what it feels I like. like. It absolutely does. <laughs> so then you're sort of like, em- your your head is in theory empty, yep. and all your responsibility's gone. And then it's sort of like, okay, trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that'll take a couple of days anyway. And then it's like, okay, new, new uni term. You're absolutely right. You genuinely do just feel disoriented. Yeah. It's so <laughs> strange. It <laughs> I... I didn't have enough time. Like, I think it was good in the sense of I didn't get like post-exam blues. Yeah. Now, I don't know if anyone else gets this, right? Surely they must.
2: I do. I, I
1: feel like really down after exam season mm. because it's like sort of the pressure and the sort of, it, I, I will say excitement. Don't, don't hate me for that. <laughs> but like exams can be, I'm hmm, gonna <laughs> get slayed. Exams can be fun, <laughs> <now>. <laughs> right? Um, and then it's sort of like nothing. Yeah. And that drop, like my mood, just like goes with it. Mm, yeah, and then it sort of like goes from being burnt out to being like down because I have nothing to do. The word
0: that I always use that I've noticed myself
1: using every exam season is like
0: purposeless. I just feel empty afterwards. Great word, because you've been going at it for so long. You've been in a high pressure environment, which I think it links back to the sort of feeling that you enjoy out of it, like the thrill
1: of you know in the exam hall. <laughs> it sounds really weird. <laughs> it's it's like it's. It's because, like, from the competitive swimming background, right, or competitive sport, if anyone does this as well, just let us know, and it becomes a competition. Yeah. So you sit down and you're like, okay, like, game face on. Yeah. You know, you do your pre-exam ritual, whatever that may be, whether (laughs) it's just sort of like, I'll, like, line my pen up or something, get the exam paper straight, Mm. and then sort of hold the paper when it goes to turn Whatever the hour or thirty, whatever, and then oh, flip yeah. it open. Oh yeah, right. You want to be on it straight away. Yeah, you don't want to waste like that half a second that it would take to sort of go. Oh, okay, now we can do it. You see people no, no. sort of turning the corner slightly, yeah. <laughs> it's like having a say. peek. <laughs> like yeah, um, and sort of just being, and then you're sort of it, it does feel like that 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 high pressure situation. Yeah, really. Then sort of the drop off is is really bad.
0: Yeah. So coming to the solutions for all of this, the solutions for the stress, the mental breakdowns, all of the anxiety that people go through when they're going through uni and this sort of process. Um, Give me a sec. Let me try and find them. (laughs) Um, I remember
1: reading your post last year hmm. and it was very like inspiring, I would say, because it took a lot of like guts to sort of write that down and post it online. Thank you. for sort of people to see. And I think it made me more aware of like as you said that you've put on all of your like um like symptoms and then solutions Mm. and it helped me go oh okay like in exam season oh that's what i had yeah you know i was able to relate to it Mm. so if you haven't read it like go check it out as well We'll, um,
0: hamadaskari.com yeah
1: check the link tree out (laughs) cheeky
0: plug (laughs) had to help you out there of course (laughs) thank you i appreciate that um yeah uh, honestly i think the The goal for this podcast as well is to have students that would feel that they relate to, to this sort of content. Yeah. Um, which hopefully, if you're listening to this right now, <laughs> is yeah. true.
1: And thank you for everyone who got in touch and sort of gave us like really great feedback about it. Like, yeah. we we want that. So if you're listening and you've got an idea that you'd like to listen to, or you just have some feedback on how we we talk or what we talk about again like just just dm us and we'll try and like cater to that mm, um,
0: absolutely so, yeah hopefully p- i won't sound as sick next week <laughs> because i did lose my voice last sunday and that's probably why i'm so croaky right now <laughs> i'm just noticing as i finish like the last words of my sentences i was like
1: yeah. <laughs> okay solutions
0: solutions um i'm just gonna read off Noticing the signs is important, but even better than that is actively taking steps to counteract burnout. And for each of these, there are ways we can go about getting ourselves back to normal. So for procrastination, I put withdrawing from responsibilities is a common symptom because we're scared of failing tasks that we're supposed to complete. But One of the best things that you can do once the stress gets to you is to talk to someone about the pressure and the stress that you're feeling. Going back to that idea of having a support group, having a friendship group around you that you can go through the process with.
1: Or even just, like, in your project, like, go talk to the person who is above you, like, I guess, who's who's responsible for your role. Yeah. So, like, if you're a team member, go to, like, your, your sub-team lead or team lead and just talk to them about it because they most likely will have been through it as well. And or, they'll definitely know how to yeah. help you out.
0: Or they're going through the same thing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then month. you can deal with it together and help each other.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For isolation... I wrote, time alone is important, but emotional isolation is dangerous. When people don't know how you feel, they can't help you. And sometimes, as much as you don't like it, you do need help from a proper support network. So you shouldn't be afraid to let people know how you feel.
1: I think, yeah, it just all comes back around to having that support group. Yeah. People to bounce your problems off of just a vent. I think it is really important. And not necessarily like your partner, if you're in a relationship, mm. or um housemates or anything like cause that could sort of potentially cause tension but potentially someone who you're close to you don't necessarily live with you're not like in that close proximity with yeah i would maybe advise
0: yeah I, um could could you say that again
1: yeah so as in if you if you live with someone or in a relationship with someone it might not be the best idea to vent to them because yeah. that could start to put like stress and pressure on that relationship mm. so like because you're in close proximity with them or like all the time at home yeah like so have someone who's potentially outside of your house or flat and you can talk to them about it maybe someone in your course a friend in the project right. project society that sort of thing
0: i w- wanted to ask you around that theme what would you say to the people who sort of feel like they don't have anyone who they can go to for this sort of stuff or even if they do they don't feel comfortable doing it i think
1: mm, that's a good question If you, okay, firstly, if they don't think they have, but would be comfortable, I would say societies, like you can join a society at any point in the year and there's no recruitment process for societies. So it's really just, if you're interested in that, you can go along. Mm. So like go to a society of a hobby, again, like photography or a sport, anything like this, or as we said in our first episode, I think like just join one and give it a go. Yeah. Um, Again, if you're comfortable doing that and you'll find that you will, like, begin to make friends or, like, relationships there and just potentially talk to people on committee, like, sort of, they'll they'll always be um, someone in charge of, like, well, like, ED&I. Mm-hmm. Um, they're people who will be really, really fine talking to you about, like, mental health problems or if yeah. you just want to, like, talk to them. Um, if you don't feel comfortable joining a society, Nightline is amazing.
0: Yeah, I realise this is a really good place to... Um What's the word to to signpost towards yeah. those mental health resources? Yeah. Because at this stage, I think almost every university out there has them. Yeah. Um, it's just a case of finding them online or in person.
1: So Nightline in Sheffield <laughs> runs from eight pm to eight am. Yeah, and it's an anonymous service. They don't do. I'm trying to remember now. I'm trying to remember the spiel for for Nightline. Yeah, um, they don't do. They don't give you advice. They're just there to listen and help support. They. It, and you can call them if you're having a good day, if you're having a bad day, if you have like some some good news that you want to share with someone, but don't necessarily have anyone to share it with. They're just there to listen. They're just there to listen. Yeah. Which so is, that would be my number one place to go if you don't feel like, yeah, if you don't feel comfortable enough to join a society. I,
0: I've never tried it before, but honestly, it sounds really good, and it sounds like something that I would have been able to use in first year and in second year. Yeah. Um, going to insomnia. A lot of these solutions do sound quite counterintuitively simple. The, the thing I wrote for insomnia is, the bottom line is that you do just need sleep. Insomnia is helped by sticking to a regular sleep schedule, something that I find really difficult to do. <laughs> I put impossible here. <laughs> <laughs> or um, Staying active and limiting substances that affect sleep. Coffee is a big one that we haven't talked about yet. Caffeine and the need for that that goes up in students during exam time.
1: I, I've recently gone like caffeine free mm. because I was like, my I, it's really bad. I'll out myself here. <laughs> um, I I could drink like a two liter Dr Pepper, in an evening. <laughs> now that is awful, <laughs> in an evening as well. Yeah. I start to get headaches, and you know it's definitely not good for my health or teeth or anything like that. But but like, I I realised that yeah I'm getting headaches here, and like wasn't getting hydrated. Mm. You know as well. Yeah. So. It was like no caffeine after a certain point and i was like i'm just gonna go caffeine free because it really does just like hurt my head yeah <laughs> when i drink it um and it helped me get a more regular sleep pattern as well and i think as much as around term time it can be quite tempting to if you have like a an 11 a.m be like okay i'll get up at 10 i'll give mm. myself that lion you know and sometimes that's okay but i would say if you can try and wake up like within an hour of like your usual time. Right. So if it's 8 a.m. that you'll get up for like a 9 a.m. Try not to wake up later than 9 if you have like a a 10 or past then. Um, Or even if you have like a 12 a.m. Because then you can be more productive in the day. And yeah, you'll get yourself into that pattern of like and build that habit. Yeah. And I feel like it's, I don't know if, hmm. I don't know if it's easier to set like a time to wake up in the morning and try and stick to that than try and like go to bed at night at a certain time Mm. because I know we've talked about it before where it's sometimes and as I said earlier about um staying up late over summer um it can be really difficult to like try and switch off yeah and it's easier to like try and switch on (laughs) because then you you know you're awake just like force yourself out of bed um Hmm. I I feel like uh in a way yeah
0: part of me also thinks it might be a experiential sort of thing like subjective yeah Cause I find it much harder to wake up. Um, like, let me think about this. Actually, do I find it harder to wake up in the morning or go to sleep at night? How late were you up last night, Mo? I was up at like three a.m. because I did fall into that thing of just I have work that I need to be doing. I'm just gonna go at it until yeah. three a.m. Um, yeah, no, I'd agree with you. It is mo- it is easier to wake up in the morning than go to sleep at
1: night. Yeah. Because it is, it's, yeah, I think it's just simply fundamentally because it's harder to switch off than it is to switch on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of the solutions for lower productivity that I've written here is to essentially just think back on your purpose and why you chose to study your career in the first place. Because something I've noticed among friends is that when you're going through stressful periods in your course, it leads to you end up hating the course. Yeah. Which is very you know, it, it's a completely different opinion than if you think back to when you first started and you had that idea of what you wanted to do, what you wanted to be in the future. When you actually get into the grit of it and the core content and you find that it's harder than you thought, it can feel like you're losing interest in what you want to do or you're starting to hate it. But thinking back to that time when you were first excited about it and trying to find those sort of roots and the the things that really got you interested in the first place is a really good way to get back to a normal mental state, essentially. Yeah. And then, ah, yeah, this is what I was trying to remember. I've written about addiction and this idea of, you know, when you're, one of the symptoms that I didn't mention before of when you are burnt out is that you go to habits or um, substances to cope with the feeling rather than addressing the root cause. Yeah. And so when you're recognizing that you're going towards, you know, for sort of taking that extra cup of coffee or that monster whatever it is um there are ways of turning those addictions into good habits as well it sort of links in with i think atomic habits it's called the book yeah yeah and the way you can sort of prime yourself for different habits and link link bad habits to good ones essentially
1: yeah so what is it it's like so if you were gonna reach for the monster yeah every time you were going to do that like start training like a couple times, just be like, okay, you've reached for the monster. Okay, no, I'm going to go fill my bottle up. Mm.
0: Or where there was, where, where you do sort of end up getting chocolate bars and crisps from the grocery
2: store.
0: Mm-hmm. A, put fruit there and don't allow yourself to buy those things so that you don't see them in your pantry in the first place. Yep. And secondly, the places where you do spend a lot of time and you do get hungry, put a bowl of fruit there instead. Yeah, That nice. sort of thing. Yeah. Because you naturally think, oh, I'm hungry. And rather than going to, what you rather than going to what you'd normally do, which is walk to the pantry or wherever it is, buy or reach for a chocolate bar. Um, rather than doing that, you would stay in the same place, and there would be a bowl of fruit next to you, which is the easier option.
1: So yeah, you've traded like sensory <laughs> satisfaction of the chocolate bar over fruit for convenience because it's like right there next to you.
0: Essentially, yeah. Nice. Um, and that was the last of the solutions for the specific problems that we had okay what do we want to talk about now i mean one message that i would just send out that i sort of put at the end of this blog post is that um normally i'm just going to read out straight normally when i see someone going through tough times i tell them to stay strong and keep going because i believe that they have it in them to carry on but in this case to everyone that's going through something similar slow down take a step back Find the time you need to recover, and only once you've done those things, come back stronger.
1: Yeah, like, get, allow yourself that break as well. Like, a lot of people will, myself included, just try and, like, push through it. Yeah. And that's where it will lead to that breakdown. Um So, yeah, just take that step back. And, and when you don't do that, like, so when I... What was it last semester? So, yeah, last semester there was a point where, uh, you mentioned it earlier, and I feel like you might've been trying to help me get to like tell this story, but um, it was, there was sort of like a breaking point last semester for me, mm. um, which was when it was, and it happens, I, I knew it was burnout because it happened over such a small thing. Mm. So it, I was getting the, I, I got a train down to, to Derby, which is the area that I live in, and then it was getting a train back. And I was on the station, I was on like the platform, And the train came in that I was meant to get. I sort of just stood there and for some reason didn't realize that I was meant to get on that train. There was just something like that, my my intuition or I just saw something that meant, yeah, I wasn't going to get on that train. And then as soon as it left, like literally everyone on the platform got on as well. So I was just stood there by myself at the end. Mm. And the conductor sort of looked at me and and got on the train and then the train left. And, And then I looked at the board and realized that um, that was my train to Sheffield that I was meant to get. And I was just like, I just, I just completely broke. Yeah. It was like, I, I, I started to like, I I phoned my dad. Thankfully he was very nice about the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I just like cried on the phone. Mm. And it was really, it was really difficult because I, I, at that point knew sort of that I was doing too much. Yeah. And that was probably the the biggest example of when like I completely broke. Yeah. And then was able to go, okay, what on earth is going on? And then thankfully I, I have a really good relationship with my parents. So he was able to come get me from Derby and he drove me up to Sheffield. And I really think it was a sign from the universe, <laughs> you know, whether you believe, whether you're religious or not, I think there was someone there looking out for me and he they they helped me they, they made me not get that train because yep. the the car journey with my dad up to sheffield we just like spoke about what i was doing how i was doing too much and was able to sort of really reassess what i wanted to do going forward and how i was going to make sure i wasn't in that position again mm. and i think that was like yeah really tough for me yeah um and I did come out the other side, of course. And I allowed myself that break. I tried to de-scope some of the stuff that I was sort of responsible for and just essentially not putting in 110% into things. Like just just do what you're meant to do right. until you're back to it. So with, with project leading Kestrel, it was like, instead of doing above and beyond what my role was potentially meant to do, so doing like 20 hours yeah. of student project work a week which is way too much. Mm. Um, doing the the thirteen, <laughs> which is more what sort of the job required. Yeah, um,
0: I think those sorts of experiences really do have a profound effect on you and teach you a lot. Um, but when it comes to burnout, it is it, it's an even more stressful experience than just having to go through exam season. Yeah, um, and if you let it get to that point, it can be really difficult and really damaging and so the one the one thing that i'd really recommend to anyone that that does feel or even hasn't really noticed is to just make sure and give yourself that physical and that mental check that you are actually doing okay and you haven't just passed it off yeah
1: i started i'm on day today will be day 29 of me journaling in my book mm. so the, the it's like a, a fat Moleskine book. It's got like 400 pages in and I'm going to complete one a year. Yeah. It's my goal. That's great. Yeah. So that's that's quite fun. But in that book, it's just, and I'd really recommend it to absolutely anyone. Like it just allows you to write down your thoughts from that day, whether that's literally what you did that day Mm. or whether it's, I had a really bad day, like this is why. And what I'll do is I'll, uh, what I'll try and do is I'll read the day befores and then write the day of. Yep. Um, and just constrain myself to that like one like a five bit of paper mm. um, because what I want to do at the end of the year is be able to read back through the whole thing yeah and go oh okay that was what I was actually feeling then or you know pull bits out and go oh I forgot about that I did that mm-hmm.
0: yeah I do a really similar thing in terms of mood journaling uh, so I, I have a digital app that I write on is it Dailio? Dailyo, yeah yeah I posted it on my story a few times just to sort of Send out updates and recommend it to people because it genuinely is a really great app, um, and it's it's the sort of thing where you in a very similar way you can write down you know what you went through through what you can write down what you went through throughout the day, just random experiences. You can write down how you're feeling. I, most most a- often ha- activities as well, right? You can have, yeah activities and habits. Most yeah. often I just do it for actually reminding myself what I did on certain days because I forget a lot. Um, But that option of like setting a day where you felt amazing versus a day where you just weren't doing as well, it really helps you track, even if it's not through an app, even if it's just through, you know, looking back like you said, it really helps you track it and and notice the the patterns of when you are starting to dip. Um, That's just another way that you can sort of track yourself basically
1: i i did do i think in total i've done like dailyo for two and a half years oh you have but i stopped doing it so i did it in sort of different sections so i did one for a year where i started jan 1st right because i heard about it in december sometime i was like oh this can be brilliant i'm gonna do (laughs) i'm gonna do it for the whole year right and then you get like a nice little like output of some some graph of how you did in the whole year and it looks really good (laughs) um and then i did one at a different point for like a year and a half and it was like the year and a half that I was with, like I was in a relationship mm. and I could see when my, it dipped was when something bad happened like in that relationship. Right. So the mood that I would experience when I was sort of with them, so like I could tell that it wasn't working. So it, it you can sort of hopefully compare that to a student project that's really not working for you or um, a group of people that's like really not working for you as well. And trying to help distance, distance yourself from things that make you feel bad. Yeah. And don't support you. Mm. Because there was um in Diary of a CEO's podcast, hopefully most people have heard of that. It's probably, what is it, the most famous po- or most listened to podcast in Europe, I think. Yeah, I think so. Stephen Bartlett, right? Yeah, Stephen Bartlett. Yeah. And he had Barbara, is it Barbara O'Brien? Yeah, I think so. Sorry, Barbara, if that's not your surname. <laughs> Sorry, um, Barbara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like like Barbara's going to listen. Like, are we kidding ourselves? You never know. Never know. Um, yeah, anyway, Barbara said about, Barbara said about how in her company, she'll fire like a third of the people every year mm-hmm. in her company and replace it with new people. And Stephen's response to it was like, if he sees someone who is being toxic and bring like a negative attitude to the company, he'll get rid of them straight away right. as soon as he can. Because... They will then spread that toxicity to other people Mm. and negatively affect more people. So if they, if people are coming to work or people are coming to your friendship group and just like being negative generally and not sort of reciprocating your absorption of their negativity, (laughs) makes sense. Like if 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 you can, if you can't like vent back or if you can't sort of have a constructive two way conversation, then it's probably not a good. Like con- relationship to have mm. and as much as it can be difficult sometimes like i would i would say it's probably better to move away from those sort of connections with those individuals
0: i heard a quote that's very um that relates a lot to the kinds of stuff you're saying uh, around this idea of you should treat yourself like a business yes in the same way that you know wh- wh- where Stephen potler or barbara would have done that for their own businesses and their employees um you could Assume that mentality for your friends and not even, or, or people who you would think you are your friends with, yeah. but you find out actually it's not the case. Um, it's not even the sort of thing where you need to be, you know, obviously I don't recommend this hateful towards anyone, but just the idea of realizing the people in your life or the, the activities in your life that you're just not getting that much enjoyment out of, or even if it's not enjoyment, things that aren't fulfilling you in some way.
1: Yeah. It happened recently with me in swimming. Right. Which is a sad story. because <laughs> 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 so I've, I've swam for like 14 plus years competitively. Yeah. And I've always loved it. And I've always said that I will always swim. Mm. Because it was, I think I think our club had some like cringy thing, which was like learn to swim, love to swim, live to swim. And I, I, kn- I knew, or oh, I thought I knew that I like I was living to swim. Right. Because like my life used to revolve around swimming, you know, especially through like high school and like secondary school, that's the same thing. Especially through <laughs> primary school and secondary school, yeah. sick film, et cetera, where I didn't have sort of too many extra responsibilities. That was like my main thing. And recently I just realized that like after COVID happened, like I was sort of peak performance and fitness and then COVID hit, right? Mm. It just completely took it out of me because I've been working so hard to get to that point and you can, you can, you can say that's the same for like, I would say for, it was the same thing that happened for exams as well. So like we had COVID hit when we were like the year of us sitting A-levels. So we never sat them. Like that was, that was our year. And that was also the same reason. Like we felt like we've been training for it our whole life, our yeah. whole like school life was to get to that point. Yeah. And then it didn't happen. Um, And I think with swimming, I just, I sort of lost a bit of, a bit of that love for it. And then. I gained it back in second year because first year of uni, we couldn't do as much training or competitions because everything was just closed or, you know, limited numbers. Um, and then it was a month ago, sort of after exams, when we when I came back, it was like, I'm not, like I used to swim and it would really help with me to sort of de-stress mm. and for me to just really like isolate myself from any problems or issues that I was having if I'd had like an argument with someone or was struggling with some like a bit of work, like being able to just sort of throw myself into like sport and do that. And that would completely take over. Right. Um, and sort of help me out with that. But when I came back to swimming, I just felt that it wasn't doing that for me anymore. And that was a really difficult decision to make. Yeah. But it, it was a hobby that like, as you said, it was negatively affecting me. So I'm still going to try and train a bit, but taking that step back from it, hopefully should really help.
0: How did you find that aspect of saying no? Because I think that personally, I've had this experience where even for things I recognize that I probably should either take a step back from or distance myself from in some way, I find it really difficult to just say no and prioritize the things that I really need to be doing. Yeah. Um, What's been your experience with that?
1: Um, I think I've definitely, definitely gotten better at it. Probably since you pointed it out to me, um, all those months ago, years, or however long ago. I can't remember pointing it out to you. <laughs> I remember we had a conversation about it and it made me like way more aware of saying no. Okay. Um, but I think, so
0: what was the question? It, it, essentially around this idea of. How comfortable you've become saying no. And essentially, well, especially in that swimming context, Mm -hmm. how you went through that idea of, uh, I don't know, did you have to tell people that you're going to stop swimming? Was that a process?
1: Yeah. So I I messaged the club captain, Sam Cook, and was just like, yeah, it's just, I'm just not enjoying it anymore. Um, And I think there was a lot of, because humble brag is that what i'm okay at (laughs) swimming right (laughs) i would Um, say i don't know a
0: whole lot about swimming but i would say you're definitely very good
1: thank you i appreciate that um but there was like it felt like there was a lot of pressure on me to do well still yeah so like trying to score points at varsity or compete and swim a quick time and place well at bustle which was british university swimming league Mm. um or bucks which people are more familiar with like if i felt like it wasn't necessarily the team was putting pressure on me. Like they weren't sort of going, all right, well, we need to really need you to do like swim a quick time here. It was just in the sort of situation and atmosphere of competitive sport, especially when I hadn't been training as much, it felt like I would let the team down if I right. didn't swim well. Yeah. And that was the fact that I wasn't performing to my own standards of myself because I haven't PB'd in a couple of years, mm. right? Because of that sort of break as well. Um, so, so yeah coming back to it i think saying no was was difficult but i knew that that was the right thing to do it was necessary it yeah. yeah um yeah and also say, saying no to things after you've said yes mm. so i've i've been currently thinking about what i want to do post like project leader project Kestrel, and i've gone through a couple ideas of like potentially doing aerosol president or maybe i want to go and do like golf club captain yeah. like something that's sort of on a par to like being a project lead but in a completely different setting okay and i've come and said no to like because i'll have talked to people about it and then i'll have like me- like not message but told them um yeah actually i don't want to do that anymore mm. so even if you say yes especially when it's in advance you probably shouldn't do this for like small tasks that <laughs> the project relies on but like it's okay to change your mind as well yeah yeah and say no
0: That's one thing I remember from listening to Stephen Bartlett's episodes in his podcast is he's very, very comfortable with just straight up quitting anything he's not getting fulfillment out of.
1: Yeah, it's very admiring that I'll hopefully get to that point. (laughs) Um, But Um, would you say that everything in your life currently is fulfilling? Do you feel like there's anything you need to say no to now?
0: I don't think so. I've gone, I would say I've gotten to quite a healthy balance right now. Although having said that, I did sleep at 3am yesterday. It's more just a, um, it's more just a personal work habit sort of thing than actually the uh, related to the activities that I'm doing in my day-to-day life. I am prioritizing work a lot in my life right now, which I do realize. And, and the consequence is I'm getting to spend less time with my family, which it it, to some extent, it it does annoy me inside Mm. to say that like, look, I, I am prioritizing this right now. But I do want to spend the time that I have left with my family.
1: Yeah, I think the same. I've been lucky enough to be able to go back because I live so close to Sheffield. It's like a relatively cheap train to get down and back. Um, so I've been doing that at the weekends a, a bit more. Um, but yeah, over, over summer when I was at pl- in when I was on placement, I was staying at my uncle's house, right? Which was amazing. Yeah. Like, I was so grateful to him. He let me stay there for free over the summer. So... That was like really great, and mm. like it was sort of a really short commute to the train, and then like a short walk to the train, and then into London. Yeah. Um, but it meant that I didn't see my family over that summer, and that was like very difficult because we are quite close. I'm fortunate enough to have like a close family. Yeah. Um, and it meant I didn't see my brother a lot, right? Uh, which was which was difficult. Um. I sort of definitely missed home, I would say. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that a lot of uni students can relate to, missing home. Yeah. Um, even if you don't think it, like when when a lot of people that I've spoken to about sort of this topic, they'll they'll not necessarily realise that they missed home. And I think same same with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss the people that you see at home as well.
0: Yeah, uh, Uni is, uh, <laughs> when you join uni, the biggest challenge, at least from what, from my personal experience is having to juggle that many plates at the same time. Yeah. Academic life, personal interests, getting to see family, feeling homesick, having the stress of exams. That's just naming a few. Mm-hmm. And obviously I, I did think it was, you know, I agreed with you that it was really necessary to do this sort of episode where we go through the stress that you can go through when you are at uni. Yeah. Um, but hopefully this has helped. Yeah. Hopefully we've given some useful tips. We've, uh, made you realize something new, or find out something new about yourself? Um, I guess we can wrap up there. I think so. Um, are we signposting to anything? Are we?
1: Um, well, we have a Aerosoc X Project Kestrel um, guest lecture series going on currently. Ah, yes. Um, you'll have seen that Mo will have done one, and so will Brian. Yeah. And I believe, like next week, I was thinking about this on the way in. I believe next week. So when this is released next week mm-hmm. um, will be the one that I will do. Oh, great. Yeah. It should be on student leadership and project management. Yeah. So if you're interested in moving up the ranks of a student project or getting <laughs> that committee role or anything like that, come along. It will be in Hicks building, Letch Theatre 3. Mm-hmm. Um, that's only for our Sheffield, <laughs> University of Sheffield listeners. Um,
0: uh, I mean, if people from other universities want to come. I'm that's, not a great, <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> if
1: you want to get the train over, feel free. Um <laughs> and we can go get coffee afterwards or something i don't know yeah <laughs> i think i'm busy. it's fine it's fine always um. be too busy to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: sorry Damn. guys we yeah. moved up we yeah. moved up in life we can't have coffee with you anymore <laughs> we'll find a time um <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah i think that's it thanks so much for listening and we'll see
1: you next time see you next time thank you